Hello, how are you going? Good. Um, hey, we're going through our Miracles of Jesus series. And um, today we're going to be looking at the feeding of the 5,000. Feeding of the 5,000. Um, this is a unique miracle in that it is the only miracle of Jesus that's recorded in all four of the gospel accounts. In Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's the only miracle that all four gospel authors decided that it was important and necessary to include this miracle in their retelling of what Jesus did on earth. And so we need to pay attention to this miracle if all four Gospels decided to tell it. And as Pastor Dan mentioned last week, when he began this series, that our goal and purpose here is to, when we, as we see and explore the miracles of Jesus, is to not just be wowed by the miracle, but to be wowed by Jesus. Because these miracles are pointers, are signs to who Jesus is. So, let's go to Matthew chapter 14, verse 13 to 21. Matthew chapter 14, verse 13 to 21. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place, or this is a desolate place. And it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, as we look at what you have done, the amazing things you have done, I pray, oh Lord, will we catch a greater glimpse of you. And so, Lord Holy Spirit, you come and you go forth. As I preach your word, as we hear your word, I pray, oh Lord, that you'll be working in our hearts and minds to transform us from the inside out. Lift this time up to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, before we get into the miracle itself, I want us to take a step back for a moment and to see what led up to this point. What led to this miracle? What caused this miracle? Now, the interesting thing about this miracle is that the miracle was caused by an interruption. The miracle was caused by an interruption. In the Gospel of Matthew, just before the miracle happens, Jesus has just heard about his cousin John the Baptist's death his execution by the hands of King Herod. And as a result, in response, Jesus wants to go away to a solitary or quiet or desolate place to grieve, to reflect, we don't know. But we get it, right? We get why he would, after hearing his cousins of his cousin's death, he would want to go away for some time alone. In Mark and Luke, it says that the disciples had just returned from a ministry trip of preaching teaching, casting out demons, um, healing the sick. And after they come back, Jesus said, hey, why don't we go away somewhere quiet to rest, to reflect, to just unwind, 
right? And so they're on their way. When we, when we read Matthew 14, they are on their way to their day off. They're going to have a break. They're going to have a rest, right? And it's very probable that these two events, John the Baptist's death and the disciples returning from their ministry trip, are very, closely, are very close together, all right? But for whatever reason, they're going for a break. But then they're interrupted by the crowds. Now, I don't know how you feel about interruptions, but I hate interruptions. My wife knows. I hate interruptions. Even, in, and I, you know, sometimes we're in our, in our living area and um, we're just doing our own thing. But see, you know, something about my wife is she loves to engage. She loves to interact with me. Even if we're doing our own thing, I'm doing work, she's doing work. But she would just want to interact with me. Tell me about how she's feeling. Tell me about this brand new thing that she's seeing. Tell, 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 hey, do you feel cold? Hey, I've been thinking about this thing. Hey, and after a while, uh, once or twice, I'm okay, right? I'm like, I entertain her. I'm like, that's fine. But after the fourth, fifth time, and she knows this, fifth time, I'm like, honey, um, is it okay if we just, you know, if I just focus on this? Oh, oh, oh okay, okay. It's gotten to the point where we now know that if I want to do some serious work, she needs to leave the room. <laughs> because if she's in the same room as me, there's going to be interruptions. Now, watch how Jesus responds to the interruption. He is not like me. Praise the Lord. Jesus does this. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them. He had compassion on them. And he healed their sick. Jesus' compassion was what led to this miracle. It's a starting point, and it must be our starting point today. We must pay attention to this. The word for compassion in the Greek, it means to be moved deeply in your inner parts, to be moved deeply inwardly. What does this mean? If I can put it this way, compassion refers to a deep emotion that moves you into action. Compassion is a deep emotion that moves you into action. It's like a parent, the closest thing I can think of is like a parent seeing their child cry. Like, and as a, any parent would know, right? Sometimes your children, you know, I'm not talking about, you know, they just fall a bit and then it's like, and like, that's fine, just get up. You know, there's, there's, those, there's those moments. I'm talking about if your child is in serious pain, like any parent would know that there's multiple levels to children crying, right? If this is like, eh, 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 they're fine. But if, they, if they're crying to the point where you don't hear a sound, right? That, ah, and that's it. You know they are seriously hurt. And any parent, no matter how tired, no matter how worn out you are, when your child is in pain, when your child is in need, you will go to them. Why? Because there's something in you that moves you into action. That is compassion. Now, I'll be honest that as a parent, as a father of two small children, sometimes I get tired. Sometimes even, I'll admit, I'll get annoyed at how much my kids need me. Like when I look after them by myself, you know, uh, the, just the two of them, it's a day of interruptions. There is no time for yourself. It's just a day of Daddy, I need to go to the toilet. Daddy, I'm hungry. Daddy, I'm thirsty. Daddy, carry me. You know, it's just constant interruptions. 
And sometimes I can get annoyed. Sometimes I can get really tired. But even I, in my most tired state, even I, in my most frustrated state, if I see them in serious need, I will move to act on their behalf. And here's the thing we need to know. That if I, as a parent, get tired, but yet even me, flawed as I am as a father, would move to act on my child's behalf, how much more would God, who never tires, move when he sees you in need? How much more would God, when he sees you with your need, he hears your heart cries, he sees you in pain, hurting, would he be moved compassion to act on your behalf? That is how God views us. We are never an interruption for him. We are never an annoyance. We are never an inconvenience. He doesn't look at us and roll his eyes and go, you again, what do you need now? He doesn't look at us like that, nor does he look at us with indifference. Just, you just, you're hurting, well, too bad for you. You know, you sort yourself out. No, he is moved with compassion. And this is a deep emotion that he feels when he sees you when he sees us. It's a deep emotion that moves him to action. And therefore, therefore, we can and we should run to this God who gives us more than enough. When we have a need, and some of us have needs today, some of, some of us, you could do with some divine intervention today. Some of us, you need a breakthrough today. You can and you should run to this God who can give you more than enough, who looks at you with compassion. He wants to help you. He wants to help you. And that's my first point. Jesus gives us more than enough. Now, in this passage, I'm not sure if it's as clear in the English but in the Greek, if you read the original Greek that this is written in, I, at least to me, it seems pretty obvious that the picture that it's trying to paint here is one that they're in dire straits, that they have nothing. For example, in verse 15, it says they were in a desolate place. In different translations, it says a quiet place, a solitary place, but in the ESV, it says in a desolate place. The Greek word for that word, desolate, means emptiness or wilderness. It can mean a desert, okay? So the picture that we're getting is they're not in a, a fertile grassy field. They're in a wilderness. There is nothing around them. Physically, they're in a location, in a situation where there's nothing. They do not have enough. And then in verse 17, when Jesus asked the disciples to give the, the crowd something to eat, they respond by saying, literally in the Greek, now I know in your translation it says, it translates it in a way that you can understand and you can comprehend and easily understand. But in the Greek, I'll literally translate it word for word, okay? It says, we do not have here except five loaves and two fish. We do not have. Jesus, we don't have anything except five loaves and two fish. You see, the situation that they're in, even the disciples, they're looking at what they do have and they're completely disregarding it. 
They don't even consider it worthy of mentioning. Because what they're saying here is, we actually don't have anything, Jesus, except this five loaves and two fish. But don't worry about that, it's nothing, right? 5,000 people, we're talking about what? There's maybe, there's a thousand, this auditorium can fit 1,400. Everyone filled, if this auditorium was filled, we're talking about at least four times that number. And this is only males. We're talking about, with women and children, there'll be maybe about 12,000 people. So we're talking about 12 times this number of people. 5,002 fish isn't going to do anything to feed that number. They're in a a situation where there's nothing. They just do not have enough. And I wonder if you've ever faced a season in your life, a situation when you have felt like you did not have enough. Maybe it's right now. Maybe right now you're looking at your bank account and your expenses are climbing, but your income is remaining steady. And you're wondering, do I literally have enough? Right? For some of you, it's not material. Maybe it's immaterial. Maybe at your work, you want to do well. Maybe for you, you want to provide more for your family. You want to be in a more fast um, financially stable situation. So you're working towards a promotion. You want to, you know, earn a bit more. And so you want to perform well. But you're wondering, do I have enough to perform well at my job? Do I have enough wisdom? Do I have enough charisma? Do I have enough skill? Do I have enough? Well, maybe it's with your family. I remember when, I, when my kids were newborns, there would often be days, days when you would not, you, they would be awake the entire day. Then they'll be awake the entire night. And so if they're awake, that means you are too. And then after an entire day, 24 hours of barely any sleep, you have to go through another whole day with them. And I remember thinking, do I have enough energy to do this again and again and again for who knows how long? Or maybe it's something that God has called you to. Maybe God has called you to do something. God's moving you to do something and you were wondering, do I have enough to do the thing that he's called me to do? Do I have enough wisdom? Do I have enough ability? Do I have enough leadership ability? Do I, not, do I have enough knowledge? Do I have enough? And it's in these moments when, when we feel like we do not have enough that we can and we should run to the God who gives us more than enough. Because in Matthew 14, 20, it says this, and I want you to pay attention to this. They all ate, the crowds ate. They didn't just eat. They were satisfied. They were satisfied. And not only that, they took leftovers. They took leftovers. Isn't that incredible? When God provides, when Jesus provides, when Jesus gives, He gives in abundance. He doesn't give you just a little bit just so you can make it through. No, He gives you, and He gives you more than enough. And the same God that fed the 5,000 men that day is the same God that when He sees you in your need, He sees what you need, He sees your less than enough situation, and He looks upon you with compassion, and He moves Him to action. This is the God that we serve. This is the Jesus that we serve. This is the Jesus in this miracle. Jesus is the, gives us more than enough. Now, second point, and now, with this sermon, 
you've got to bear in mind all three points because all three points are equally true, okay? You'll see why I say that in just a moment. Jesus is more than enough. Jesus gives us more than enough. Second point is Jesus is more than enough. Okay, so if, if I stop at the first point, you may leave with the impression that Jesus is the kind of God that just wants to meet your needs. Struggling financially? Go to Jesus. Need healing? Go to Jesus. Having relationship troubles? Go to Jesus. Is that true? Yes. Remember, I've just said, you can and you should run to Jesus who gives you more than enough. It's not wrong. In fact, this is the exact reason why the crowds were following him. There were thousands upon thousands of people following Jesus around. Why? Because he was doing miracles. He was feeding them. He was giving them free food. Come on, guys. I've seen the queue outside, you know, whatever it is, Krispy Kreme, when they offer free donuts, right? I've seen the queue there. This is a massive queue. When there's free food, there's going to be people around, right? It doesn't matter what race or who you are, right? It's human nature. And they were following him because he was doing amazing things to meet their needs, like giving free food. But as amazing as these miracles were, as awesome as free food is, Jesus did not want them to just walk away with a miracle and a nice story to tell. I know what you're thinking. What can be better than a miracle? What can be better than a miracle? And I know for some of us, what we long for most is a miracle. We just need this awesome breakthrough in our lives. If only God could come through for us in this amazing way, then we would be satisfied. Or if only God would come to show up in an amazing way, I would have an amazing story to tell people, an amazing testimony to testify of God's goodness. And I'll tell people about Him. I'll witness Him. I'll bring my friends to church and see them come to faith in Jesus because of my amazing testimony. But what if Jesus wants us to leave with more? More than a miracle. Yes, what is greater than a miracle? I want you to see this. In John chapter 6, verse 25 to 35, Jesus has this interaction with the crowds. So the feeding of the 5,000 happens. Then he walks on water, which is the miracle that we looked at last week with Pastor Dan. And then he has this interaction that's recorded only in John with the crowds, Okay. When they, John chapter 6 was 25. When they found him on the other side of the lake, the crowds asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Because see, they didn't see him as they were going around the lake because he walked on the lake. So they were a bit puzzled. And Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, for on Him God the Father has placed the seal of approval. Then they asked Him, what must we do to do the works of God that God provides? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one He has sent. They asked Him, well, what sign then would you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, 
Very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it's my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Don't give us the the measly stuff that you gave yesterday. Give us this one. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Amen. The crowds wanted more bread. But Jesus was inviting them to something better. What could be better than bread? Free bread. Food that will never make you go hungry again. What can be better than healing? Everlasting life. What is better than a miracle? Jesus, the God of miracles. The source of life. The giver of all good things. You see, if, again, I want you to hear me clearly. Don't forget the first point. Okay? Don't misunderstand me. If all we read and leave with when we read this miracle story is that Jesus can provide for us, that Jesus can give us more than enough, we may end up like the crowds. We may have missed the point. You may have missed the point. Because as John throughout his gospel would say, these are mere signs. Signs. They're not the thing itself. They are mere pointers to what really matters. So as amazing as a miracle is, as amazing as feeding 5,000 people are, what's more amazing than that? What is that pointing us to? It's pointing us to the bread of life, to Jesus. That's what miracles do in our lives. See, Jesus looks at us and he sees our need. He sees our cries for help to him. And he is deeply moved with compassion to act. But more than just your pressing need right now, he looks at you and he sees your deepest needs. He sees your inner longings. He sees your silent cries for help, even in the silence of the night. Maybe you don't even realize it. Maybe you've never articulated it, but he sees that need. He sees what you really need. And Jesus, as a compassionate, loving God, wants to not just meet your needs, your felt needs right now, He wants to fulfill your deepest desires. See, you may be crying out for a job, and you need a job. There's no denying it. Hey, that's a need. You can and you should run to Jesus. He gives you more than enough. Do that, absolutely. But you could have the most amazing job and still feel anxious still feel insecure about your financial stability. You used to be worrying about, do you have enough to make it through this month? Jesus doesn't want to just give you a job. Jesus wants to give you security. Jesus wants to give you peace. Jesus wants to fill you with peace so that you don't have to wake up in the middle of the night and be anxious anymore. Are you getting this? Do you hear what I'm saying? Jesus wants to meet your needs, absolutely. Also, the bread of life wants to meet your truest, deepest needs. And he knows that's only fulfilled 
in him. It's only when we have not just experienced a miracle, but when we have experienced Jesus, the bread of life, will we actually experience this fulfillment that will completely satisfy us, completely fulfill us, that we will never hunger and thirst again. The problem is that we often stop at the miracle. And when we do that, we settle for too little. That is what the crowds were doing. Imagine this, they experienced an amazing miracle. They were right there and they missed it. They still asked Jesus, Jesus, what sign will you show us? What do you mean? You just, he just took five loaves of bread and two fish and fed a multitude. What more sign do you want? In fact, they referenced manna falling in the wilderness. That is exactly what Jesus did. He created bread out of nothing. Yet they still wanted a sign because all they could see was the miracle. And they failed to see Jesus. And I wonder if sometimes we fall into this trap that all we want is what God can provide for us, but not God Himself. We settle for too little. We settle for the miracle, but not Him. I've honestly been wrestling with this and it all started with, uh, when I was um, driving one day. I distinctly remember where I was. I was outside on Varland, the corner of Varland and South Street. And I remember I was turning into church, ironically, and I was just spending that quiet moment with God, just talking with them. And this revelation hit me out of the blue. And I just felt God saying to me that you only come to me. Amos, you only come to me when you need something. Unless you need something, I never hear from you. And I didn't realize that I'd done that. I, I thought I was good with Jesus, but it was true. I only, whenever I came to him, it was just, Jesus, I need this. Jesus, I'm just really worried about this. Jesus, I need your help with this. You know, and it was all these things, and that was it. And what I didn't even, what I had done without even realizing was I had started treating Jesus like a vending machine, just going to him, banging on the door, and then stuff coming out and going, see you next week, you know. And, but is that what he wanted? And I felt at that moment, I felt his grief. I felt his heartbreak. I felt his hurt. He had been hurt that I just treated him like that. He had been hurt that I had just come to him only when I needed him. And I wonder if that's why Jesus is calling the cross as something more. You are coming to me just because you want more bread. I want you to come to me for me, for me. And this is the real wrestle. And this is what I've been wrestling with. Would I still come to Jesus? Will I still pursue him even if it didn't give me anything? Would I come to him for him? Is he enough for me? Is, do I be, truly believe that in him, he will give me all I need? He is ultimate fulfillment. He is ultimate satisfaction. 
Truly, what he said, whoever comes to me will never hunger and thirst for anything. Do I truly believe that? And I know it here. I know it here. But when the rubber meets the road and how I live, and how I live my life shows that do I really believe that? Do I really believe it? And I have moments Sharing honestly, I have moments where this moments of clarity where I realize this, usually moments in worship where I'm just looking upon Jesus, focusing upon Him, and everything kind of fades away. And it's like the fog lifts, the fog parts, and I see things for how they truly are. And I realize that, yes, I really only need Jesus. Yes, things matter. Yes, finances matter. Yes, your job matters. Yes, when you're sick, what you need right now is healing. I get it. Absolutely. But... Oftentimes, when, once God has done that amazing thing for us, we go, amazing, praise the Lord. And we just continue on with our lives. And for some of you, you have experienced God of miracles in your life. You are a walking miracle. God has healed you. God has provided for you. Some of you, you know that God is faithful. He has proven it time and time again in your life. Yet, yet, you, if you're really being honest, you pursue him more for what he can give you than him himself. And we are no better than the crowds when we do this. We are no better than the crowds. We are stopping at the miracle. Don't stop at the miracle because Jesus wants us to have more. He wants us to have him. So don't stop until you've experienced him. Don't stop until you've experienced what he promised here. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Again, don't settle for anything less. Don't settle for anything less. Jesus gives us more than enough. This miracle also shows us that Jesus is more than enough. And point number three, we also see that Jesus wants us to carry the bread. Let me explain. Jesus wants us to carry the bread. There's a peculiar detail that is in every account of this miracle that often we may just gloss over. It's the fact that Jesus involved the disciples in the miracle. Jesus involved the disciples in the miracle. Do you realize that he didn't need to do that? Like he just snap his fingers, and suddenly bread falls from heaven. He could do that. He could just come issue one command and flocks of birds would just come and fall right in front of them, ready to eat, right? He could do that because he did that before. Man in the wilderness, quails in the desert, right? He did that for the Israelites, wandering in the desert for 40 years. That's what he did every single day. Jesus could do that again, but he didn't. What do you see him doing instead? He deliberately and intentionally involves the disciples in the miracle. He starts by doing this, right? He asks them, hey, why don't you give them something to eat? And secondly, then when Jesus is breaking up the five loaves of fish, right, he gets the disciples to distribute it to everyone. He's involving them in the miracle. He's not just getting them to be observers or just recipients. He's getting them involved. He wants them to carry the bread to the crowd. Because can you, can you imagine what would be going through their minds as they're doing that, right? They, they see five loaves of bread and two fish. So a loaf would feed about three adult males. Okay, so a loaf, three adult males. And fish, they're just two small fish, right? And they're looking at that basket and they go, okay, Jesus, let's see how this is going to go. They get some broken 
pieces of bread and fish, they hand it to them and they go out. And they're going, well, this is not going to last long. They give it to one small group of people and then they go, then they head back to Jesus. And when they head back to Jesus, to their amazement, they handed more pieces of bread and fish. And they're going, something is not adding up here. And they're, as they're walking to the next group, they're seeing other disciples going and giving more food to people. And they're going, this is not right. Something is off about this. And they give, but they give it out anyway. And they go back to Jesus. And to their amazement, there is more bread and fish. And this cycle continues. There's 5,000 people, right? There's 12 disciples. So this is taking hours. <laughs> it's taking hours, hours of this. And, and then after that, they collect leftovers, 12 basketfuls of leftovers. And then thirdly, Jesus doesn't want just them just carry the bread. Thirdly, Jesus uses the little that they had as a starting point for the miracle. The disciples had completely disregarded that, right? Remember? They didn't even consider that worth mentioning. The father was in two, in two fish. And Jesus could have easily agreed with them and gone, you know what? You're right. That is nothing. Let me handle this. But instead, what does he do? He takes the little that they had, the, the, the little that they had ignored and thought it was inconsequential. And he uses that as a starting point for the miracle. He uses what they thought of was not enough and he turns it into abundance. See, here's the truth about God that we see throughout the Bible and in this miracle. God wants us to participate in what he's doing in the world. And what does he use to do that? You, me. He uses us to be carriers of the miracle. He uses your story, your abilities, your opportunities, your resources. Now, you may think that you have nothing to offer. You may think that the problem is, Pastor, that I don't have an amazing testimony to tell. I don't have an amazing testimony to tell. And I remember thinking that for so long in my life, that I have no testimony to tell. I grew up in a stable Christian family. I accepted Christ when I was four years old, apparently. I grew up in church. And I'm I was serving in church, I became a leader, became a pastor. Pretty straight line. No gangster story. No, I wanted to, I wanted to, I killed a man and I came back to Jesus after rehab. You know, nothing like that, right? There's no amazing story, no turnaround, right? And I used to think that I had nothing, no real thing to offer people to turn them around, to see, make them see God and his amazingness. We may think that we have nothing to offer to, but that's the encouragement of this miracle. It's not about how much you have. It's about who you have. Right? It's not about how much you have. It's about who you have and what do you have? You have this treasure in jars of clay. Who's that treasure? It's not your testimony. It's not your testimony. As amazing as your testimony is, the amazing thing you have is not your testimony. It's not your resources. It's not your abilities. It's not. As amazing as the person you are, it's not. It's Jesus in you. It's Jesus in you. The bread that the disciples were carrying to people was a symbol, 
was a sign. It was a metaphor, a mere metaphor for what they were truly carrying to people, and that is the bread of life. And that's what they spent their lives doing. That's the same for us. You may have received a miracle from Jesus, and that's amazing. But actually, what it truly is meant to be is a pointer, a mere symbol, a mere metaphor for the bread of life, for the miracle worker, for the way maker. So if all people see, and if all people hear about is about you and your testimony, you and your abilities, they have missed the point, haven't they? Maybe we've missed the point. Maybe we've been too reliant on our amazing resources, our amazing opportunities, or our amazing intellect, or wisdom, or skill, or testimony, whatever it may be. But it's not about how much you have. It's about who you have. And therefore, if you have nothing, if you feel like you've got nothing to offer, you can still be used by Jesus. Because Jesus used nothing to create something. And that's what he does every single day. And that's what he does today. Therefore, what do we carry to Jesus? I mean, what do we carry to people? Jesus. That's what people need. And as John Piper famously said, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. Therefore, what is the best thing that we can do? If, we're, if our responsibility as disciples of Jesus is to carry Him to people, what is the best thing that we can do? What's the best thing that we can do? The best thing that we can do is to first taste this bread of life first. So that you can say to people, I've tasted and I have seen that the Lord is good. I don't just know of God. I don't just, I just, I just, just quote a, Christ, a scripture passage that tells you about it. No, I have experienced it for myself. I've experienced this satisfaction that goes beyond just mere material wealth. I've experienced this fulfillment that goes beyond circumstances being all nice and, and rosy. I've experienced Him. And He is enough for me. He is enough for you. That's your testimony. That's the bread of life that people need to hear about. Therefore, my question to us is, have you experienced the bread of life? Have we tasted it for ourselves? That's maybe the most important thing that we need to pray for. If you hunger for anything, that is hunger for more of Jesus. The hunger for more of Him. May God be all the glory. Today, I have two, um, two groups of people that I want to, uh, to respond to. Um, and um, we're gonna do something slightly different today, okay? So with every head bowed and every eyes closed, um, if today, like me, you realize that you have been pursuing what God, what more of what Jesus can provide than, than Jesus Himself. And you want that to change today. You want to pursue Jesus for Himself, for Him. And you want to experience the bread of life for yourself, that deep satisfaction and fulfillment that only He can provide. If that is you, I want you to stand to your feet. I want you to stand to your feet. No one's looking around. Don't worry. I just want you to stand to your feet and I want to pray 
for you. I want to pray with you. And take this as a response to Jesus. For when Jesus sees you, what does He see? He looks upon you with compassion. And that compassion moves Him to action. And will He not, especially for this, especially for this, if you say, I want you, more than what you can provide, I want you, will He not respond to your heart cry? If that is you, I want you to just stand up to your feet. Stand up to your feet. And I want to pray with you. Amen. Let me pray. Lord, you see the response of these people, your people. I don't know whether they struggle I don't know whether they're wrestling or whether they just realize that I just want more of you. I just want more of you, Lord Jesus. Whatever it is, you look upon them with compassion, with love and kindness. And what they want most is more of you, is you for you. Then Lord, give them that. Let them see you. Let them experience all of your glory. Let them experience all of your love, all of your faithfulness, all of your joy, all of your peace. That they will be truly satisfied, truly fulfilled. They will hunger and thirst for nothing because they have you. I pray, O Lord, that their testimony will be of you, of you of your glory, goodness, majesty, kindness, love, and grace. So Lord, Holy Spirit, now come and you fill them. You fill them and you reveal Christ more to them in a way that, into a depth, into a breadth that they have never experienced before, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. You can take your seats, you can take your seats. The second group of people that I want to pray for are for those who have a need. You have a need and Jesus is the miracle worker. He does look upon us who have a need with compassion and He wants to meet our needs. He wants to act on our behalf. And if that is you, we're just gonna do something slightly different because when we call people to the front, that's awesome. And we can pray for you. But I would like us all to engage in the miracle that Jesus is doing in people's lives. So if you have a need today, I would just like you to stand up where you are. If you have a need, you just stand up where you are. Just take a stand. You have a need. Whatever that need may be, you need healing, you need provision, you need peace. Whatever it is, you bring that need before God. Don't worry, I will not ask you for what that need is. You bring that need before God. Amen. And church, what I would like us to do, okay, is I would like you to reach out your hands to the people closest to you that are standing up. And I would like you to just pray for them. Is that okay? I want you to carry the bread today. I want you to, you don't need to move from your seats, but you just reach out your hand. I want you to pray for them that God will meet their need. That this miracle working God would come even now and come and bring restoration. Come and bring freedom. Come and bring healing. 
In Jesus' name. And I want to just give you a few moments to pray for the people around you. Come, let's do that. Let's just pray for them. Let's lift them up in prayer. They are brothers and sisters in Christ. Just pray that God will meet their needs. Because Jesus is more than enough. Lord, you are the God that gives us more than enough. You are the same God that provided 5,000 pieces of bread, the same God that walked on water, the same God that rose back from the dead is the same God that is alive today and is at work today. The same God, this same God can come through for us. And so Lord, whatever our situation may be, wherever our need may be, Oh Lord, I pray that you will show up, that you will come and you will meet our needs. You will give us good things because you are the good and perfect heavenly Father who never changes. And so Lord, come. As we come as little children before you, come heavenly Father, God of compassion, and come and meet our need. Come and heal. Come and provide, come and restore, come and reconcile, come and mend. Oh Lord, you come and in Jesus' name, receive your blessing. In Jesus' name, receive your breakthrough. In Jesus' name, receive what Jesus can provide for you today. In Jesus' name we pray, Amen, Amen. Church, can we all stand? And I will just say a closing prayer of benediction for you and you can be dismissed. Lord, we praise You, Lord Jesus, for who You are. You are amazing. You are awesome. And so Lord, today and this week, Lord, may You be glorified in and through us. So Lord, Heavenly Father, may we go in the love of the Father, the peace and fellowship of our Lord Jesus and the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Amen. God bless you, church. We'll see you next week.